You're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now let's get down to business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap. I am Kim Hartsock, and I'm excited to be back with you for another episode. We are continuing with our series focused on our industry experts. Today, I'm excited to have back with me co-hosting Derek Johnson. Hey, Derek. Hey, Kim. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad you're back recording another episode with us. And uh, we're continuing with our industry focus today on construction. So why don't you tell us who's joining us as our guest today? Yeah, that's exciting. Look, thanks for having me back, though. Last time, it had been a very long time since I'd been on the podcast. And uh, I think I barely passed... Paul's exam, so the waters are warm. I'm getting comfortable. Hopefully, you'll see more of me. But uh, enough about me. We're here to talk with our good friends, Will Adderhalt and Mr. Jay Reed. So the people need to know. They want to know. Why don't you two gentlemen tell us a little bit more about who you are and and, and what we're going to talk about today? Well, my name's Will Adderholt. I'm a partner out of our Birmingham office, and I lead our construction practice. I've been with the firm about 15 years and um, have been blessed to know our guest, Jay Reed, um, and get to know him over the last few years. Jay, thanks for joining us. Yeah, so much. Thank you guys for having me as well. And again, Jay Reed, president of Associated Builders and Contractors of Alabama. And I have the pleasure now for around 27 years serving the commercial construction industry in Alabama and basically at the end of the day responsible for ensuring our strategic plan is implemented for the construction industry. And most of those bullet points in our plan we're going to be getting into today because they're certainly the pulse of the industry right now. Thanks, Jay. Jay, since you're our... uh most immediate guest. I'll pick on you first, all right? Thanks. Uh, tell us, why, why should we be focusing right now on the construction industry? Well, um, thanks Thanks a lot for asking the, uh, the easy question first, for sure. Uh, commercial construction is already over $12 billion to the state's economy, and our association has just taken a pause about over the last five years to ensure not just our industry knows that. When we say the economic wills of Alabama, when we say what keeps the light on at the state house, for lack of a better word, it is commercial construction, and our industry exports more construction outside of Alabama and the U.S. than we import right here in our own state. So we're fortunate to have uh, a lot of the top contractors across the U.S. domiciled here in Alabama. And when they succeed, Alabama succeeds. So Will and Jay, I'd love to hear both of your perspectives. But, you know, we've been doing a series focused on different industries. And I'd love to hear from you what challenges and opportunities are unique to the construction industry. Uh, maybe some things that the construction industry is facing that other industries are not. Um, and yeah, just tell us a little bit about what makes it unique. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Kim, I think the obvious answer is that, you know, the construction industry is facing a lot of similar issues, but maybe to a different degree. Um, when we talk about staffing shortages, particularly in trade skilled laborers, carpenters, welders, electricians, heating and HVAC te uh, technicians. I mean, you name it, you know, just from a demographic standpoint, a lot of those, you know, really skilled trade positions, those people are, are aging and retiring and, you know, face it, those, those jobs as, a, as our society for the last 
few decades, those jobs have not been very sexy, for, for lack of a better word. And so, you know, society's told people they have to go to college, which has led to sort of the shortage of trade labor. Um, so you put that on top of COVID issues and all of the, you know, uh, issues we've had with people just, you know, for whatever reason, um, kind of leaving, exiting the workplace, uh, workforce altogether, um, it's really just compounded. So you've got, that's an issue um, for sure, uh, which I know, Jay, the, the association, uh, ABC of Alabama, as well as a, num- a number of others are trying to combat, right? Right, right, right. Um, that is front and center for our association right now is workforce development. We have been real fortunate in the state. Traditionally, say the governor's office would have someone appointed to workforce development. I do. I, I know for a fact this is the first time I've seen as many hands on deck to try to ensure the workforce shortage is addressed in the commercial construction industry. Will and I were talking, I think it was just yesterday, we've got the lieutenant governor in the state of Alabama currently working on workforce development. You have got the speaker of the house has a workforce development committee. So when we talk about what's keeping this $12 billion industry up at night right now, absolutely. First and foremost is going to be workforce. But I took took time just to jot down a couple of the other things from a board of directors perspective right now. And if I had to put everything in one bucket that's keeping our guys up at night, it is workforce development. It's the recession. Are we, where is this bubble going? What does next year look like? You've got immigration, regulatory reform, and then something that we're going to get to in a minute, the supply chain issue. Um, The supply chain issue is back you know, second or third. And we thought that had really started, started to, um, taper away a little bit, but it was the highlight of, of a meeting that I'm in Mobile for this morning. Um, that was one of the topics of our membership today. And Jay, I know you're in Alabama. Um, I sit in Georgia and Derek sits in Florida. So we're representing, you know, our region that the firm covers in terms of our geography footprint. Um, I know that in, in Georgia, we're having the same challenges in terms of finding that skilled labor and, and an initiative that the state started. I don't, I don't recall which year it was, it was started, but in, in recent years, um, which is a program kind of out of the hope scholarship program, which is, um, funds, uh, you know, undergraduate programs in the state of Georgia, but there is also this program now focused on technical college and trying to get students leaving high school to go to the technical college route and focused on these skilled labor positions just that you're speaking about. And mm-hmm. so I believe there are 11 different programs that you can qualify and go to school for free in the state of Georgia to get a technical degree. So um, I know every state is approaching this a little differently, but all of us are having that same challenge of trying to attract the students into this as a as a career and provide them with the opportunities. Yeah, yep, yep. We have we've seen a a similar pattern. We have got a state legislature right now that really understands the workforce shortage needs. And as an association, we were fortunate enough to get an audience in front of the governor and other key representatives to form the Academy of Craft Training. So I think as you saw student debt take front and center, uh, parents got to thinking, you know, is it really X value? And this kid is sitting here telling me he's not for college or she's not for college anyway. So you had this 
student debt, you had construction is cool again, and now you've actually got the pr- public-private partnership where you've got state funds, local funds, and contractor funds all going together to help us afford the Academy of Craft Training in Alabama, and it has got some of the brightest seniors. If you ever want a dose of reality and bright sunshine, take a look at the students coming out of this Academy of Craft Training. It's, it's changing lives for sure. Jay, tell me, we, I mean, we could talk staffing and talent all day. That's something that uh, I at the firm have been involved with for the better part of 10 years now. But uh, you mentioned supply chain in there. You kind of said you, you, you grazed over it. Let's peel that back. Tell us more about what are the current supply chain issues that, yeah. that you're seeing. Yeah. Well, um, actually, as I mentioned, we had a speaker here um, here this morning in Mobile about it. But uh, COVID just exposed some of those layers. Uh, Will was mentioning the COVID issue, but during that ish- during that time, we just really got to looking deep into where are all the components of a construction project coming from. And it just seems for some reason, whether it's uh, transportation concerns or uh, epidemic concern, our subcontractors now are, are having a major issue in getting some products, not all in the um, to the job site. So we formed a special committee to take a look at that. And they're now putting out a quarterly supply chain newsletter that goes through every division of a commercial construction project and gives the owner or the general contractor expectations of when that can be delivered. Delivered, but it's just a um, it's a, a major concern now for our for our base here in Alabama. Yeah, and you you referenced this the the COVID you know what COVID brought to us and what we've learned, but what it also brought is uh, a lot of different funding sources and and different opportunities. But with that comes challenges, and so I know that you hear from your members um, what are they facing in terms of of that funding that source and trying to meet those, you know, qualifications, but also how are they dealing with this? Are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? Are we maybe going into a recession? Uh, there's not really conclusive evidence and, and some industries are feeling it a little more than others, but that talk to us a little bit about the economic environment right now, as it relates to the construction industry. Yeah, good point. Uh, seems like all the meetings that Will and I are in, they keep asking us for the crystal ball and we keep saying, well, as it gets closer to December, we're going to give you an answer. And we're almost at December and we still don't have an answer. But the, uh, the data right now, it's, uh, those doing federal projects and the larger pro- projects, they do have more certainty about next year. They see a, an easier path to get through. They've got a great backlog. But what we're really concerned about now is probably, I'm going to say that 20 to $50 million window that's doing one retail shop, one dental office, that's real money and real funds that need to be put forward to get the project. But right now, all we are seeing is are the federal funds. And that's a great thing. But unfortunately, we have to bring up the fact a lot of the federal funds are tied to some regulatory parameters that does exclude some of our membership. So we're working through D.C. to try to get some of those regulatory changes made so that a broader group of contractors in the state and Warren Averitt's clients as well can have opportunities to bid that work. And some of those obstacles are being a little bit harder than usual to overcome. But uh, it's again, my nutshell on that is the bigger they are, the better they see next year and the better they see a backlog. That's true, Jay. You know, and, and I'm just sort of thinking, and I can't help but say it out loud. You know, the 
the longer I've worked, the more in, in the construction industry uh, in particular, you know, I've, I've gotten more and more of an appreciation of just how much our construction clients hang on to economic data. Um, and I didn't really have a good appreciation for why that was early in my career here recently, you know, it, it's really just sort of come together and, and I've come to realize that, you know, just how long, you know, and it kind of goes back to what Kim said earlier about what, you know, what set, what's specific to construction that sets it apart from other industries. And it's really, you know, everything, they're, they're building a big capital project most times, right? And right. so it's long lead, it's a long lead time, it's a long construction period most times. And for it to begin, there has to be some sort of capital outlay, right? And the bigger the project, the, the more capital there needs to be. And so it all, you know, who's the biggest spender in our country is the government, right? And right. so it kind of goes back to what you said, you know, those bigger guys that are doing government work, the, the money seems to be there. Um, but then from there, everything trickles down to the private sector and, you know, how, how, um, you know, how sure people have to be pretty sure that they're going to be able to pay for these projects when they go spend spend money. So interest rates affect that. Overall, e economics affects that. Right. The you know labor force participation rate affects that because that affects how much money people have uh, in disposable income. So to your point, it's all of those factors <laughs> really are, are <laughs> factoring into project owners making decisions to either build or expand or not, yeah. which then affects all of your and my clients, you know, right. so it's just, it's a huge, you know, long lead time decision that's really dependent on looking in that crystal ball and trying to figure out what it says. And it's anybody's guess right now. Right. What are you telling them? What, what, give us some hints to the test. I know there's no silver bullet, but when it comes to planning, what are some, mm -hmm. maybe some tips some tricks, some, some best advice that uh, you're leaving with? You know, it's it's sort of this is I'm going to give you a non-answer, which my clients always I, love. Kind of, yeah, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it sort of goes back to what I tell a lot of people is like if if you even if you have no intention of selling your business, run it like you're planning to sell it, because you'll never go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think the same similar sort of advice applies here, which is you know we all hope and um, you know somewhat expect the economy to be good, backlogs to remain strong um, here for the next, you know, f you know, year, hopefully, maybe longer. Um, you know, so we, you want to go capture all those uh, opportunities, but you also want to run your business as though, you know, what backlog you have could be the last, you know, the spigot could turn off, not to be scared, but you just want to tighten up, you know, run a lean operation, make sure, again, I can harp on it all day long, but, you know, construction's so risky. There's so many hands in the cookie jar over that whole timeline, you know, put in all those safeguards, make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do from estimating, from, well, really from business development to estimating, to project management, to closeout, to warranty. You know, there's so many people that touch a job from beginning to end. And there's a lot of ways that could things could go wrong and little things can slip. And when things are good, nobody notices it. Or if they do, it's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We're still going to make X million dollars this year. Um, so, you know, it's really just focusing on 
not letting complacency creep in just because we've had some good years and really just operate it as if things are about to, you know, maybe not be as good and watch the little things. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now back to the show. So you just mentioned that, Will, you said operate, you know, as if you're always about to sell your business. That's, you know, we tell people that all, all the time. You want your business to be attractive and, and ready to sell so that you can maximize um, your investment. And we are certainly seeing that. I mean, the statistics are all there, right, of the, the boomer generation that owns all of these businesses and is looking to exit in the next, you know, 10 years or so. Um, and construction is not immune to that. Um, and so I'm sure Jay, you're seeing it. I know we're seeing it. How, how do owners of construction companies plan for succession? What, what are you seeing and what are you advising them to do? Yeah. If I could jump in just real quick on that one, I, I mentioned I've been 25, 27 years with the association and I have, I've never seen the number of companies that are reaching out to us for some type of assistance or referrals on succession planning. And 10 years ago, I would tell you there wasn't one subcontractor in the world concerned about it. But if you take the risk that Will talked about, you take an aging workforce that David was speaking at a meeting, David with Warren Avery spoke to a meeting this morning, everyone's getting ready to inherit trillions of dollars. So maybe or maybe not, that takes the kids out of the equation to buy X subcontracting firm. And then it's, you know, the regulatory, the regulations we spoke of, that does have some people saying, okay, I'm not going for the federal funds right now. It's not my fit, but I need to do something with my business now. And that, that all in a crystal ball comes up succession planning and will has fortunately you guys have been able to help some of our clients with it uh in the Birmingham market for sure but i just never thought i would see that many people calling me to say do you guys know some people that can help us with succession planning i mean it's sort of bubbled up out of nowhere but it's an issue now it is um that's probably you know when we were talking about hot topics that that has to be up there because um, that's what we get a lot of phone calls about. And it's what I spend a lot of my time, you know, trying to, to, to help people through um, for a lot of reasons. The reasons you just described, um, you know, the aging workforce or aging ownership, generational wealth, all of those things. And, and if you think about other industries, you know, I think Kim mentioned it earlier, you know, there's a lot of money in the economy. There's a lot of private equity type financial buyers for a lot of businesses and other industries, manufacturing businesses, very easy to sell if it's profitable. Um, just one example, almost any industry, um, you know, it's easy to sell. And so it's easier for people to wait till later in their career, to maybe see if the kids want to be involved in the business. Right. You know, maybe they don't, they're not ready to retire. You know, they can wait longer and, you know, in 12 months, I'm not, I'm being flippant here, but you know, it's not unrealistic that you could decide to sell your business today and in three, six, certainly 12 months, it could be sold and you could have money in the bank. Um, that's true in a lot of industries, but it is not true in construction. Um, there are some private equity buyers in certain sectors of, of our industry, but it's fairly limited. Um, and so, you know, it just, that presents a problem, right? In that there's not some 
third party that's necessarily out there as easily to come buy a construction business. Mm -hmm. So most times what ends up happening is an internal transition, right? Either, either um, to employees, family, whomever. Um, and a lot of times that has to be paid for out of the cash flow of the ongoing operations of the construction business. And, right. and for all the reasons we said, it's very risky. It's a lot of times can be low margin, can be unpredictable. Um, there's very little recurring revenue. So, I mean, all those things make it hard. And so um, that's where we have luckily been able to, to help is sort of come in and and really do an overall assessment because it's not just about you know, hey, help me figure out a way to structure this buyout to pay the least amount of tax. Like that's that's easy stuff. You know, um, it's really before we get there, we need to figure out how's it going to get paid for. And a lot of that then gets into all the things I talked about before, which is, you know, how good, how predictable are the cash flows going to be in the future? And that's really predicated on all of those different components working together well business development, estimating, project management, you know, that whole accounting, finance, <laughs> it's all of those tentacles have to be working the right way in order for really everybody involved to feel comfortable with that transition. So that's just kind of a little bit of kind of what, what we do, you know, <laughs> increasingly often uh, yeah. over the last few years. And Will, you brought that up. I mean, there are more uh, stakeholders involved, right? You've got to make sure that your bonding company is okay with what the transition is. And you've got to make sure that your bank with your line of credit is okay with what you're planning. So it's, it's not like most privately held businesses that can just pull together their ownership, make a decision and move on. Um, you right. mentioned the risk earlier, right? There's more mm -hmm. risk. So there are more things to consider. So, um, yeah. And again, yeah. I'm glad, Jay, that they're calling you and asking you for help. Um, that's good, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> funny, you, you mentioned a, just a quick um, quick note on that bonding, uh, on the bonding side of it. We've actually also seen an uptick in, because of the financial market, bonding requirements out there for our subcontractor community. I know right now, starting to be your larger subcontractors are required to have a bond in place. That is dropping by trade category, just especially in public works um, in the state of Alabama, we've, we've seen a huge uptick in that. So I think that's something else, you know, for the uh, for the listeners of this today to realize in our industry that that's that's been increasing and we've been doing a lot of service out in that area. You know, the other thing that I've run into a lot lately is um, maybe a, a aging business owner or two that's looking to trend. They, you know, he thinks he's got or she thinks they have um you know, owner, their management team lined up to be the buyer of their business. And so, you know, they need help kind of structuring it and that sort of thing. And then we get into it. And because of just everything we talked about, particularly either banking or bonding requirements, um, you know, again, this owner thinks, hey, I've got these five people. They're ready to buy my business. I just need your help doing it. And then we start educating the buyer on, hey, what does this really mean? to sign an indemnity on your surety bond program. Um, you know, what does it mean to sign a note at a bank? What does it mean to, you know, have to um, have a much more complicated tax return and be dependent on the company paying distributions to be able to repay the note either to the bank or to the owner? And so, you know, we come in and start educating them on this. And then it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to, we all 
can kind of rail on the millennial <laughs> generation, but you know, it's just true. You know, not, people don't necessarily want to take entrepreneurial risk the way that these baby boomers did when they started these businesses. And so I've seen a lot of false starts too lately um, because, you know, they think they had the people lined up. And then once we get in the educational phase, it sort of peters out. Mm. And, um, and again, it, it's just a long lead time. So we don't want to wait till <laughs> you know, I want, Hey, I want to be retired in three years. And then we have to restart the whole thing after a year into a project. So um, again, just, is a lot of ways that that it cannot go as planned. So the longer lead time you have, the better. With all these dynamics, what we chatted a little bit about succession planning. We we walked through some supply chain uh, issues we're working with. Obviously, the staffing piece. But um, for the near term, what would you say these construction business leaders should be doing to best prepare themselves for success? Again, just near term. And I would if. If one of my members were to ask me that right now, and I assume we're talking not just financial, but in the whole scheme of running their business, um, it would be relationships, partnerships, and diversifying the markets that you're performing work in. And I'm not saying go out there and recreate the wheel or something, but it's, uh, you know, every industry is changing. And I really see joint ventures, partnerships, relationships really starting to play a much more important role in securing work. And I would say for the upcoming future in the state, we have a lot of large projects that are moving to the front burner. Um, and a lot of those massive projects are here in the near future in the state of Alabama. And there's going to be enough of that work to go around, but you're going to have to have your relationships out there and relationships develop so that you're on some of these teams put together. Yeah. I, I couldn't say it any better than that. I mean, I, I, the two things that went in my head were relationships as well. Um, and diversification because i mean those are really your two we talked about recurring revenue or the lack thereof in a construction business the one way to combat that is to diversify into various industries size owners you know all of those things the more sort of you know uh experience you have the more irons you have in different fires in different sectors not that you want to go you know you kind of run the risk of doing something that you're you can't you're not qualified to do um you don't want to go do that but to the extent that you can get comfortable doing what you what your capabilities are in various industries or various sectors to diversify, the better off you are. Um, and then the other, what Jay said, the other thing was relationships, right? I've seen a lot of clients have a lot of success with recruiting, recruiting retaining talent, getting jobs, um, getting sort of institutional knowledge out of others. You know, I think the construction industry has gotten a lot better in terms of um, sort of having friendly competitors. Uh, I think we have, we're, we're better than a lot of industries in that respect. And, um, a lot of that I think is to Jay's credit, at least here in Birmingham through the association. Um, I think that's where a lot of those relationships are formed. Um, and I think they're invaluable. So, I mean, I would highly encourage clients to get their know, get to know their competitors. So Will and Jay, it's been great conversation and you've, you've left the listeners with a lot to think about, but here on the wrap, we always like to wrap it up in 60 seconds or less. So, uh, I'll let you go first, Will, and then we'll, we'll close with Jay. Yeah. I just think, uh, again, I appreciate Jay being on with us. Um, and like you said before, I mean, if I had to give uh, the listeners one piece of advice, it would be 
really to, to seek advice, um, be that from advisors, from associations, from competitors, from owners. Um, just be inquisitive and really take time asking questions of others. It's really easy to you know get um, focused on our own business and the day-to-day -day putting out fires. Um, but I would, I would encourage everybody to intentionally take time to really seek advice uh, and be inquisitive of others because um, it, it can do nothing but help you. And I think um, for the commercial construction industry in 60 seconds, you know, I would I would concentrate on workforce. If you read from the Wall Street Journal to the local business journal, worker shortage and the sky is falling. But the resources and the amount of emphasis that's being put on workforce development now, there is a solution coming. There are a pipeline of young people coming into the industry, both skill trade and project management and estimating. And it's, again, it's being plugged in and being a part of some group that's helping solve that. Do not sit in your office and scratch your head on workforce development. All hands are on deck working on that. Just get plugged into some group that's addressing it and make sure you're part of the end of the pipeline and getting that future workforce. Jobs are going to come. Market's going to be okay. The sky's not going to fall and you're going to need people. Plug into some people that have those resources like great associations. Well, this has been fantastic. So thank you, Jay, for joining us. And Will, great to have you on again. Uh, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you guys so much for having me. It really meant a lot to be selected by Warren Abert to be on the wrap. I think it's a great tool and for us to be able to showcase our strategic plan and what we're doing to the industry to partners like Warren Abert means the world. So thanks and Derek, Kim, great meeting you guys. Uh, Kim, Derek, thanks for having me on again. I always enjoy it. It's always fun. Um, Jay, thanks for joining us. I appreciate our friendship and uh, our, our um you having us in the association allowing us to serve absolutely and that's a wrap if you're enjoying the podcast please leave a review on your streaming platform to check out more episodes subscribe to the podcast series or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap